Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today we're going to tell kind of a success story. We're going to talk about one of our clients and how tooling has been such an integral part of them being successful with Agile. And I've got a bunch of people on the call, so we're going to try as best we can to not step all over each other while we're talking. But Jessica Wolf, will you tell the folks who you are and then we'll kind of work our way around the circle? Sure. I'm Jessica Wolf. I am a senior ALM tooling consultant here at Leading Agile. All right. And Greg King? Yeah. Hey, this is Greg King. I am uh, a senior consultant here at Leading Agile, um, working across transformations. All right. And Marty Bradley? Yeah, um, this is Marty Bradley. I'm a principal consultant for Leading Agile and do account leads and work with all these great guys and women. All right. People. (laughs) We don't want to put anybody in a box, Marty. (laughs) Um, We're going to have to sort of work our way through this, but Marty, can you kind of give an overview of the client, kind of what they were dealing with when they started to take on Agile when you guys got involved with them? Yeah, sure. Um, Like like with a lot of our clients, you know, we go in and uh, they've usually made, uh, they've had a lot of success on their own and they're at the point where they want to start to really grow and kind of leverage all the knowledge they have. So one of the things that that they usually like to do is... uh, basically lean out their system, right, and get their system to be really efficient. Um, one, of, one of the key things um, that we go in when we do a two-day workshop that we hear a lot is people want to be predictable, get better quality out of their software. And in order to do that, um, you know, we need to be able to measure things, right? So one of the things we want to talk about today is, you know, how we measure and then also how we use some of the ALM tools that, to help us out, right? So in leading Agile, one of our one of our things is, is that, and, and with Agile in general, is people want to see visibility, right? And what we normally see in a transformation is the very beginning, you do the first couple of retrospectives, and what does everybody always say? They always go, hey, the one thing we love is we're talking more, everything's really visible. Uh, you know, now when I have a problem, everybody kind of knows about it, right? And so that, that for a couple of weeks or a month is really good, but in order to really increase that visibility and kind of make it actionable, um, we, we come in with, we, we start with a standards metrics package and then a standard metrics package. And then what we end up doing is modifying it for the client. So for example, Ooh, but wait, um, hold on before you, you go, can I interrupt you already yeah. with a question? Sure. I mean, you're going to make me take a breath. Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> so I just, this is something I had never thought of before, but the, but the way you just explained, um, you know, starting with the retrospectives, when I talk to people in class or whatever, and they're like, what should we, what should we measure or how should we measure it? It's like, I know that you're, you're going to explain that this evolves over time, the understanding of what we look at. But one of the things I was just thinking when you talked about the retrospectives was it's almost like you're feeding them information or, or giving them more visibility, but they're going to develop a tolerance to that. And you're going to have to keep amping it up and giving them more and more stuff to look at and smarter stuff to look at. Is that... A fair way that's to very true. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's a great. That's a great way to look at it. All right. Are y'all caught up on your breath? Yeah, man. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't mean to ruin you your know, train I of thought. I just I wanted to ask because it seemed like a kind of an important thing. I I have only one train of thought. And I usually only take one breath, so it's good to interrupt, all right. interrupt me. Well, go. <laughs> so, all right. So anyway, so one of the things is that you know, in order to kind of, as you say, amp up that that visibility, is that we look at the team level and. Um, you know, some of the things that people talk about are velocity, right? But it's hard to, um, you can't really compare velocity across teams, right? We all know that. Uh, but what happens is, is you can, you can look at something called velocity variance. 
So if the teams are um, in a range, right? So when we bring in a team at the very beginning, we just want them within an 80% range of their velocity variance. So for example, if we have a team that that's got a velocity of 20 points of sprint, um, sprint over sprint for three or four sprints, what we want to see is that that not vary too much uh, off of that um, velocity, right? Like maybe one time they do 22 points, one time it's 28, but in general, they're in that range, right? So we measure that variance and what it does, it's a leading indicator of their predictability, right? And so some of the other things we'll measure are points committed and then points delivered. Uh, and the two of those together are great because um, like, for example, uh, Greg was just pointing out at the client that we have now, their velocity variance looks great. It's all in range. Uh, they've been they've about nine sprints in, and um, their their variance is in range. But if you look back over time, they're uh, dropping a story almost every sprint, right? So with those two measures, uh, if the team's looking at those, it gives them something to look at during the retrospective. They can say, hey, great, we're within our variance, so we're fairly predictable. But why is it that we keep um, dropping a story every sprint? We should talk about that. We should figure out how to fix that. If we can't figure out on our own, maybe we should bring a coach in or, or somebody else to just kind of help us uh, work through those things. Okay. Can I, so can I ask that, another one yep. about this? So another thing, if, if they were, um, and I'm just going to rudely keep interrupting you, but if they no, were, because I'll just talk. <laughs> if they were having variants, like if the variance was increasing, but you could see that they were also trying to increase the amount of work they were bringing in, that might mean they were running experiments. E either way, you've got to figure out the reason behind the thing though, right? Yeah, well, so that's why, great lead-in, because one of the other things we measure is um, defects that, that um, bleed out of the sprint, right? So obviously, anytime if they're testing in the sprint and there's a defect, uh, not a problem, right? Nobody logs that as a defect. It's just something that the team works through, right? Because you want the development team. You want them uh, checking in on a regular basis. You want QA and, and people testing. So things that they find inside the sprint, you want the, uh, whoever found it, just walk over to the developer, get it fixed. But if it, if it goes outside of the sprint, we want to collect those, right? Because we want good quality. We want working tested software every sprint, right? So what we saw um, in this client is they were trying to do exactly what you were saying, Dave. They, they were trying to increase their velocity. And, and you could tell when they reached their tipping point because they hit a velocity that was really high. So we were okay that their velocity variance was, was choppy because they were doing it on purpose. They were talking about it. We were watching it and it was going up. And then all of a sudden they had six escape defects, right? So using those two together, you realize that, yeah, they were trying to go faster and that's good, but they went too fast and that's bad. So they hit right? a wall. So these, yep. And these are great things because we showed it. Um, we also, one of the things that we do uh, to help the transformation is we have um, a transformation leadership team, which is usually a combination of leading agile coaches and, uh, you know, the client, client team. And it was beautiful because when they saw this, they basically sat down and say, and, and, you know, the, their product guys in there too, they're like, Oh, okay. And, we, and our coaching advice to them was see, this is what happens when you push them too hard. So they're trying to hit a date you gave them and look what you did to the quality of the software. So do you really want to deliver poor quality software and hit a date? Or do you want to deliver quality software and have it be another two weeks? Yeah. Right. Well, and, so and that's, that's a decision that's easy to make. So it's also going to tell the system where when they hit the, their limit. I mean, I, I've had lots of the, well, keep make, yep. make them go faster. You should keep getting faster all the time. And I'm always like, no, there's a it goes this fast and you push it a little bit more. And that's like you said, that's when the defects start to creep in and, and all that. So it, it is a great 
to me, it's like a positive kind of boundary thing. Like this is the optimal performance we're going to get out of this system right now until we yep. change. Yeah, one of the, Ooh, one Greg's of the things that we want to do, I'm talking, I got to get in. I gotta Jump get in, in there, man. Talk forever. Um, <laughs> one of the, you know, one of the things that we use these metrics for is, is, you know, we tell the teams, these metrics are, are meant for improvement. They're meant for, uh, the team, not not to be punitive, they're meant to be used by the team um, as as indicators of performance, of indicators of how well they're doing. Um, you know, we work with teams to do regular assessments to to make sure that they're they're getting better and and moving towards their goals. Uh, and these metrics are part of that assessment. Um, you know, how do we tell if a team is, is able to make any commitments and how can we tell if a team has a stable velocity? Uh, we need to have metrics that can prove that out. And so um, we certainly want teams to experiment. We want them to have a, a culture of continuous improvement and trying to get better. Um, but the only way that you're going to be able to measure uh, or, or know that you're having positive effects is to make sure that we're keeping the metrics on that. Cool. And I, I, I want to pause for one second. I don't know if this is coming through the mic or not, but they're renovating the apartment upstairs. So if you hear loud noises, that's what that is. So <laughs> sorry for I don't hear it. Yeah, <laughs> I right. hear it. You know, it's interesting what Greg said because, and what Marty's alluding to as well, uh, because a lot of times we're taking a look at predictability just at the delivery team. And I think that's a misconception. We need to look at predictability um, and stability at the programs here as well. So, so we can understand if we're making bets in the right places. Okay. Yeah. Ex well, exactly. That's what happens, right? Because when when you have this kind of, because you want that healthy healthy push pull, right? Yeah. You want you want the program tier. You want them to try to push the delivery system, and you want the delivery system to be able to have some boundary, right? So what you end up doing is um, by doing the velocity variance and weighing it against the, the escape defects is you start building trust in the system because it's clear that the delivery team isn't sandbagging, right? Because that's always the question you get. It's like, well, if they're hitting their, their, their sprinkles every time, how do you know they're not sandbagging, right? That they're doing that just to make their metrics look good. And, and so once, once you start having these conversations, um, it, it's clear to them that, that this is what, what's happened and this is the true capacity of the system. And then you can make more intelligent decisions. Okay. All right. So you've got trust in the system, but when it comes to things like looking at, you know, across the program, across the portfolio, what, how do you deal with that? Because you've got yeah, this basic so this, team package, right? Right, right. And this is exactly what Jess is talking about, right? So what happens a lot of times is when we go in to do uh, and we talk about predictability, that people think that it's only the delivery system. But really, you need predictability from top to the bottom, right? And, and if, you don't, if you don't have a good, uh, good metrics and good flow of your features as they come in, so typically what happens um, you know, let's just say we're dealing with a three-tier model where we have a portfolio team that's making financial decisions on what to build. You have a program team that's that's taking the, uh, those epics and breaking them down into features and, and getting those delivered. Um, at, at each of those levels, we're making estimates, right? So at the feature level, they'll swag the features in uh, what we suggest they do is one, two, or three, which is one, two, or three sprints, right? So that gives you two, four, six weeks to get a feature done. And we follow that through a Kanban board and we use typical Kanban metrics to measure those things so that we can, uh, you know, measure the flow of the system and see if there are any bottlenecks and then do typical bottleneck analysis when we run into that. So can I, can now, I ask some questions about this part? Yeah. 
Um, sure. Just in case people, I was trying to explain this to some folks at a conference last week that were in a digital agency. If you're talking about the flow of work through the system and you're using Kanban, it's it looks like Scrum, but it's a very different, you're looking at very different stuff, like cycle time, how long does it take to get from this step to the next step? Like you said, where's the, the blockers in the system or where's the waste occurring? Um, how do you, I mean, is, are there any specific things that you're trying to lock in on there to, to kind of dig out first? Um, yeah, Greg, you want to talk to, Greg, Greg was the one that set up uh, at this client, he was setting up the program level metrics. So you want to talk about that a little bit, Greg? Sure. Um, you know, the, fir- the first thing when we're try- just trying to get predictability is to get the system established to, to set up the metrics, to set up the governance um, understand how the system is going to work at, at each particular client. Um, and so, you know, Marty already talked about from a delivery team perspective, the metrics that we're looking at from, from scrum teams, when we get to the program level, uh, we really start capturing some, some basic metrics around, um, about around features. Um, so when we're working with product owners and product owner teams, um, taking a look at how many features they're able to get through the system, take a look at things uh, like their releases, how often are they releasing, how many days between releases, how fast are, are, are we able to identify where, where bottlenecks are and, and get faster in our releases. Um, take a look at the size of the work that's going through the system, how long features are staying in each Kanban state. Um, how can we reduce that? Uh, take a look at how what what features are sitting in wait queues, uh, and and looking at you know are we just queuing up work? Um, looking at how many uh, features that we have in process at any one time, limiting the amount of work that that we're we're trying to do, and, and limiting uh, that that context switching. So who's going to so, be part of this conversation uh, with you? I mean, I, I with the team thing, it's pretty easy to get, but I mean, you've got a different group of people in the room if you're talking about program or, or portfolio level. Yeah. So what we'll, we'll we'll work with the individual teams that we have at each of those levels, right? So okay. if we're talking about a portfolio team, then um, you know that's a, a team of usually somebody a representative from product, somebody that's an architect, um, probably somebody from the PMO to act as kind of a portfolio manager. Um, you know, maybe some representatives from the business. So basically, we're we're looking at the overall overall portfolio, and we'll review the portfolio metrics with them. We'll we'll, we'll work with uh, finding somebody within the organization who can help us gather those baseline metrics okay. uh, and to begin capturing those. Likewise, down at the at the program tier, we typically have uh, product owner and product owner teams. So you know, a product owner with uh, a dev lead with uh, you know probably a testing person, maybe somebody from UX. Um, you know, uh, and, and people that can help support uh, a product owner across multiple delivery teams as we scale, uh, working with them to identify what those metrics are going to be. And we'll work with the TLT when we first start to lay out here are the metrics that we're going to capture um, and, and be able to figure out how they're capturing the metrics today, if they are, uh, and then lay out what we're going to start with um, and, and how we'll transition over time. Okay, yeah. cool. Oh, to add to what Greg said, I, I oh. go, go ahead, Jessica. <laughs> go ahead, Jessica. That's what Greg said um, was, you know, it's not hard to get the delivery teams in the tools, 
But it can be a challenge to get the program and portfolio teams to use the tool. Um, I remember when we were doing the training for this client, we had all of them there. And one of the statements was, this is really great, but I'm probably just going to use my Excel spreadsheet. Uh, one of the successes, uh, I think it was Marty who told me, is that same person said, oh, my goodness, I'm actually using Jira and really enjoying going in and getting into the details. So um, it, it's nice when we set it up in a way that they can use. How do you how do you talk them down off the Excel ledge and get them to well, use Jira act, instead? Act, actually, what happens is is when you take it up to the next level. Uh, so one of the things that that we did, and speci- this is actually specifically Jira portfolio because you could get a common view, is started using Jira portfolio. And um, th- this this client was actually a little more sophisticated than some of the clients we go into, and they're having releases on a pretty regular basis, right? A couple weeks, couple months, depending on the, on the teams, but, but pretty quick, right? Um, so one of the things they wanted to be able to do was see all the releases across the portfolio, right? And they never had that view, right? So talk about visibility. Okay. Um, they never really had a good consolidated view of that. And so it, um, what we did was uh, set up, they have basically, we have a, a monthly rolling way planning meeting where they talk about dependencies, risks, and um, they would show this roadmap. And at first, they were trying to do it out of um, PowerPoint. We let them go for, I think, maybe a month and a half, two months like <laughs> and that. And we like, told stop them, it. Yeah, <laughs> enough, right? Put From your silly on, toys away. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> we, want, we want you talking out of JIRA. So when, when they did that, what they started to realize was a lot, of the, a lot of these management reports that they were taking up to what they called the eighth floor, which is where the CEO sat. Um, one of the guys had to go out and do these um, um, meetings with them, and they would take uh, weeks to get these, like maybe not weeks, but it was taking them a long time to get these PowerPoint decks together. And once he started seeing this portfolio view, he was like, this is exactly what I need, right? This is exactly what I need to go show to, to our CEO. And that's going to so be real that time, is, right? Because it's fed by the teams. Exactly. Right. And this guy wanted to be able to um, he, he wanted to know the data. Right. So he needs to see it on a regular basis so that he can go explain. Right. Because, uh, you know, data in and of itself is 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 not very useful unless you have context. Right? right. So if he can see it every day, if he's got a question, he can go talk to the team. Now, when he goes into the CEO real time, he's had this information and it's been coming to him on a regular basis, not at the end of the month with a bunch of PowerPoint decks that he has to now decipher. Right. right. Um, so the, his whole team started using it, which pushed it down because the only way the portfolio view is going to work is if you have all the program level stuff in. Right. Okay. Uh, so that started to drive the behavior, you know, um, from the top, which is really which is really what you want. Right. So, so how, and the nice thing uh, about it, he, 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 the, this particular individual was is responsible for the product management group. Um, and, you know, creating these PowerPoint decks was something that each of his product, product managers had to do. And so um, by just using the tool uh, in their everyday, everyday work, um, it's, it's saving them time from having to do this, which is a plus, which they're all excited about. It's giving, um, you know, this gentleman the view he needs to, to take it to the executives, which is a good thing. Um, but it's also freeing up those product managers to actually do what they need to do to be a good product manager. It's yeah. looking at their product, looking at their market, uh, instead of sitting around and, and creating, you know, PowerPoint decks for, for meetings. <laughs> how, how important do you think... Um 
the tools and the things that you're choosing to measure are with respect to kind of seducing people into wanting to try agile and being open to it as opposed to just clinging on to mm. their old way of doing things? I, I, I think don't. I think it's critical. We at the beginning, uh, you know, you always when you go in and first start doing a transformation, right? The first couple months, you always have the excitement around the transformation, right? So, and that's great because uh, because you need that, right? Any kind of change is difficult, so you want that level of excitement. Uh, what we started noticing again is that um, you know one of the things that that you know we set up is this transformation leadership team, and that team's job is to basically help work internally and externally to keep the transformation on track. So one of the things that, that uh, Greg and I and Andrew would do is during the TLT meeting, we would spend time going through the metrics. So it started with the team level, then the program level. And, and we were basically tearing through or, you know, basically doing the transformation in stages. So we did three sets of teams. They saw how the metrics, you know, started kind of choppy and started to smooth out. And then it got better. And then we started the next set of teams a couple months later, and they could see the metrics doing the same thing, right? So it basically it helped calm them down. They're like, oh, okay, we see this. We expected this to happen. And we should see in a couple months that it starts to flatten out like the other teams, right? And we're like, exactly. Uh, so it, they became very important to the client to be able to see these and kind of give them a view into what was happening with the new teams. Because, you know, we and, and like all transformations, we had a couple teams that started off and they were very, like, a lot choppier than the other ones. And so we spent a little bit more time and they spent and they actually moved resources around to help uh, smooth those teams out. So it's 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 critical in my view. Are you, Sorry, uh, Jess, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's OK. I absolutely agree with what Marty said, but I want to shift the focus on wanting to be agile to wanting to achieve outcomes agile is a symptom of it and it's great that we can be agile in order to achieve our outcomes but really our, our metrics are to focus on achieving the outcomes of the transformation not necessarily to be agile that's something that happens over time but the focus is the outcome okay i have a, a yeah, question oh good well good. one thing yeah one thing one thing that i'll add to that is that you know, we, we take an approach where, um, you know, there, there, there's a particular outcome or business goal that we want to achieve. Um, and so we'll, at, you know, we'll ask questions about, well, what are the things that, that will make us know that we're going to achieve that goal? And then those are the, the metrics that we want to measure. We don't want to just gather things just to gather things. So it's um, not one size be, fits all in terms of gonna, correct. Okay. Um, yeah. So if, if, if a, if a, a company is is valuing predictability, we're gonna we're gonna have a certain set of metrics. If their main goal is return on investment, we're gonna have metrics around that as well. Okay. Um, so we we want to make sure that we're not just coming in and saying here are all the things that you have to capture, uh, and and them not finding value in it. Right. And so, you know, I, I think you had asked the question. You know what's what's going to get people away from their spreadsheets, yeah. and it's seeing the seeing the value in capturing these metrics. It's seeing them the metrics answering the questions that's leading them to key business outcomes and key business goals, um, and 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 ultimately solving the problems that we're here to solve. Okay, have, I'm curious if any of you have seen or, or have experience with with the different things that you choose to measure in different situations or different organizations. Are they ever able to kind of tease out that this environment is very fear-driven or very controlling or, or, you know, whatever cultural stuff is going on? 
Can you see how that is affecting performance in the metrics? I, I mean, I've seen it, right? I've, I've seen clients that, um, you know, basically started to gain the metrics, right? Because they mm-hmm. thought the metrics were the goal, right? Was to have all of our metrics be perfect. And, and we all know that eventually backfires on them. Right. Um, and, and what is usually happening is, is that there's this overall, I'm going to call it a distrust in the system, right? Um, people are used to asking for things, um, development over commits because they feel like they're forced into a date. And then now, now the date is real and they don't hit the date. And now people force dates and force stuff all over the place. Cause that's the only way they can get things done. And, and what happens is if we can, if we can use the metrics basically to get, build safety in the system for both, again, for all, to, all the way up the system, not just the delivery team, but if you can use the metrics to help show that, and, and that's what we've done in those cases, it gives them the safety to kind of start to shift away from this kind of um, fear-based uh, planning, right? And, and it's the only thing that I've seen that's really um, helped get past that, right? Because when you talk about real numbers, when you see things like um, people are increasing their velocity and they're working 80 hours a week and, and all of a sudden the defects go way up and, and they already have a problem with a ton of defects in the field and their clients are complaining, it's clear to everybody in the system that, that, okay, we're pushing these guys too hard, right? So now what do we do? So you have to basically go to that delivery team and help them be able to commit because at the beginning they don't. Right. They'll 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 overestimate or underestimate stories all the time. Right. That's why we like the velocity variance, because it helps us help them. And we tell them it's okay. We know you're going to miss some stories at the beginning, but let's work through it. Let's talk about facts. Let's not be defensive. And and that is usually the only thing that gets past it. But I've I've seen exactly that. So you need somebody who's not just. I mean, there's going to need to be somebody whose job is to watch the metrics and start to realize, oh, look, they figured it out. Like they're gaming this now. I mean, what is that role? Like whose job would that be? Well, it depends. It depends on different organizations. At the beginning, it's definitely the coach, right? Because one of the things you have to understand is that, um, not you personally, but when you're looking at the metrics, like Jess was saying, you know, we're looking towards outcomes, right? And, and the outcome is some business outcome. And how do we get to that business outcome? Well, we, we know from um, experience that the more we lean out the system, the, uh, the easier it is to determine that outcome. The, we get smaller batches and we can deliver faster. It, it limits the risk in the system, right? And so you do all of those things together and it starts to work. Now, now, after you've been doing that for a while, one of the things that we do as part of, a, um, part of the coaching is we try to teach the teams, and, and that's all the way up the scale, right, from the delivery uh, program portfolio teams, how to, how to interpret the metrics, right? Now, it depends in the organization. Some organizations will have a portfolio team or, um, like, or a PMO. Uh, I've seen where that works well as long as the PMO is uh, more of a servant leader type organization where they're there to collect the metrics, help analyze them, and then help the teams uh, do fact-based analysis. Okay. I've seen other places where they take um, the product engineering team. There may be people in the engineering team that, that act as release managers, and their job is to make sure the release are going out the door. So they're very concerned about the, the delivery system as a whole. Okay. Uh, so a lot of times they'll do it. Okay. Yeah. So 
when I have worked with teams and I see fear in the teams, it's because the metrics aren't being used to tell a story. They're to check a box. And I think like what Marty was saying is really helping the people that we're coaching understand what these metrics are for, what questions they answer so you can tell the story. When you start shifting into telling the story, a lot of times it takes away that fear because we're not looking to check the box and hit a number. We're looking to tell a story about what's going on. Yeah, I, I would. I yeah, guess gets, I'm more it, pessimist. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say it gets it gets back to kind of what I was saying before. Is you know, these metrics aren't meant to be punitive, right? We don't want managers using these metrics as you know tying to you know, employee compensation, and we want the, the the metrics just to tell the story so that we can um, look at and assess the team and how we can improve, how we can get better. Um, you know, we, and, and one of the things, one of the, the benefits of having a tool to be able to do this is it helps take some of the gaming out of the system. The tool is what the tool is. So if, if work's flowing through and, and teams are making a meeting commitments, it's going to show up in the tool, assuming that the, 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 that folks are using it. It's going to be very difficult. It's not like people are just, you know, keeping their own records and, and showing their metrics on a, uh, a PowerPoint, you can go into the tool and you can start taking a look at the velocity over time. You can start taking a look at, you know, how, how they're doing in their sprints and sprint performance. You can look at cycle time. Uh, these are things that, that are just part of the system. Um, and it's, it's what you choose to do with it afterwards. Um, whether you're, you, you know, you use it, to get better or yeah. you use it to, to bring the stick down. And so that's, well, that's where we come in to make sure that doesn't happen. See, and that's when or Jessica said the thing about <laughs> when she said checking the box, I was thinking it's not just checking the box, it's checking the box and showing me which neck I have to step on when I'm done. Um, yeah, exactly. So you're, that's you're so teaching cool. people. Well, that, that's helpful. Well, <laughs> I teach a lot of waterfall people, but you're, you're teaching these people in these organizations how to, become self-sustaining with this, right? So it's not that they would need a coach forever. You, you mentioned that you're teaching them how to read it, how to interpret what this stuff is telling them, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, what do you, I do, I'm going to try to wrap it up in the next couple of minutes, but what is something, from maybe for, if you can each speak to this, the biggest misunderstanding about metrics that people have when you walk into an organization? Or the thing that you wish, like if you could just snap your fingers and this question wouldn't come up anymore... What what is it? Just yeah, I'll, I'll go I'll go back I'll go back to, to kind of what I was talking about. You know, a lot of times when people, and and this is this is true just within transformation in general, right? Change is hard. Uh, when we come in and we start talking about transparency and making things visible, um, and you wave your hands it, around in a circle. It, yeah. It, it, <laughs> It scares people, right? Because yeah. now things that that maybe no one's been paying attention to are going to become visible to the light, you know. And and you know, work that people have been doing is now going to be questioned. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of fear in in change. Um, you know, these are people's livelihoods; these are their jobs. This is how they put food on the on the table for their families. So. When we come in and we start talking about transformation, we start talking about change, and we start talking about now we're going to measure this stuff. The first thing that people go to usually is, how is this going to affect 
my, you know, my reviews, my performance, my compensation, my job. Right. And so they feel like the metrics have to look good for them to look good so that they, you know, they stay safe. Right. Yeah. So there's a, that, that level of safety. So uh, it takes a, a, a good bit of time to prove that when we when we're in this journey, that the metrics uh, aren't going to be used for harm, that the metrics are used to inform how how we coach, how we uh, how we assess the, the team's uh, you know journey towards their goals and, and that we use it for continuous improvement. And it's the team that's able to use these metrics to, to see if they're on track. Um, and it, it just takes time to prove that it, it, it's not going to be used by management uh, to kind of hold their thumb over the team or, or question them as to why they didn't do this better or whatever. So, sure. And, um, and might take time I, I, to convince management of that as well, not just the teams. Well, yeah, it's, it's a good point is, is when we talk about metrics that, you know, sometimes management looks and, and gets the big grin on the face. Yeah. Like, oh, so we can now. <laughs> Where are the know, necks that I need to with, step on? Yeah. With, yeah, micromanage <laughs> with data now. This is great. Uh, is that what we want to do? Okay. I love it when we actually provide management with metrics about the work that management's doing now, because that's not something that usually they've had in the past. Okay. So that's holding the mirror back up to them. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to cut Greg off, but I'm going to answer a question a little differently. But that so, so Greg, that's your answer to the thing, right? <laughs> that that's what you wish you could fix. Correct. Yeah. So I, I wish I wish when we walked in that people felt safe uh, being able to provide metrics and 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 are able to use them right off the bat to try to improve. Okay. Now, Jess, was that your answer? Is like I couldn't tell if when you were answering, if no. you were answering the same I, question. I agree with what he's saying, okay. but I'm going to answer the question differently, and it's going to be my pet peeve. All right. <laughs> my pet peeve around metrics is that um, Jessica or anybody can get any metric from a tool um, automatically. It takes time in order to actually get a metric, and we need to know what we're looking for so we can set the tool up properly to get the real data that you're looking for to answer the question that you need to have answered. So a lot of times, um, you know, I've been asked, like, oh, can we get XYZ metric? Well, yes, I can get you that metric, but if the team actually isn't using the tool consistently, um, we're not going to be able to give you, I would say, data that is accurate, right? So we want to make sure that we get people into the right behaviors using the tool and also setting up the tool to capture the things that we're looking for. It's not automagical. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. And Mr. Bradley? No, I just, the last two comments were perfect, right? I, I think uh, you have to go in with a plan for metrics. Any any tool you set up, you have to set the tool up knowing that you're going to measure. doesn't mean you can't change the tool, right? As you do your measurements, if you need to change your tool, um, based on some of the things you're seeing, then cool, but um, change the metrics, right? Um, and then what Greg was saying is so true, right? That That's one thing I would love if they didn't freak out the second well, we started measuring things. <laughs> okay, so this, this I have a weird question to, to kind of end with. Um, at least I think it's a weird question. Are, are there ways that an organization can measure the level, maybe it's the level of safety, but I was really thinking like the, the perception of the dissonance caused by the change or how much discomfort or fear, like other than, than kind of as an ancillary thing that's you're kind of picking off of other symptoms you're seeing, is there a way to gauge that, the way you would measure like impedance in a system? Well, do you want to measure that? 
I, I'm curious. I don't know. I think I think you would because you know you know they're gonna, you know they're going to freak out. You know that there's going to be parts when maybe maybe their their level of the level of dissonances drop and you can push change a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I've seen around that is uh, like uh, companies will put together something similar. Not really a net promoter score because there's just more questions, uh, but uh, they'll put surveys out on a regular bit. And they have to be regular, like at least quarterly right. uh, and specific to the transformation. That's uh, I've seen companies do that, and they've been pretty insightful because okay. right? uh, especially if they're anonymous. Um, other than that, I haven't really seen much to help because, you know, if you ask people, they're going to tell you what you think. You want to hear right, it, and right? if you ask them too what much, it has no point, no value anyway. Exactly. It'd be yeah, cool and if you and that, you know, to follow up, yeah, that you know, if you're gonna ask the questions, then you have to be prepared to make the changes to address the Absolutely. the things that That's come true. out of it. Yeah. Right? So, so I, I've seen it. Where, I've seen it both ways. I've seen it where uh, companies will put out these surveys, people will respond, they'll react, things go higher. Right? You know, satisfaction goes higher. Um, I've seen uh, the alternate where you know, <laughs> nothing things go at out, all. <laughs> nothing <laughs> happens. And then they and ask they the same questions again. again two weeks later. <laughs> exactly right. And, the, and then you just hear the chatter in the hallway of, oh, geez, they're asking the questions. Well, that's because so, the employees you know, didn't give the right answer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I would fear putting something like that out, though, right? Because let's say you are at a company and most employees have been there, let's say, 20, 30 years, right? That is going to be harder to change when you've been doing the same thing the same way for that long, um, relatively. And if you ask all of those employees, um, you know, their happiness level with the change, you're probably not going to get the best results. Does that mean the company shouldn't change? No, they, they should still change right. because the company still needs to be successful. So I, would, I wouldn't want to necessarily gauge um, So maybe we need to be paired with something else. Yeah. Maybe if you could pair well, it with well, something yeah. else. I, th- I think you can it, – it, it depends on in how you ask the questions, right? The question shouldn't be, should we change? The question should be, how can the change be better for you? Right. Okay. How, how, you know, mm-hmm. what are your pain? What or are how can it suck going? less? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if, if the company has a vision and they're trying to go somewhere, you, the first thing they should be doing is communicating that and celebrating that and, and making sure that everybody understands the why, why we're doing this, why are we yeah. transforming? What are the, what are our goals? Yeah. Um, and within that context, then ask, how are we doing along the way? We're going there. This is what we're doing. This is the vision. Um, don't put that into question. But you know, what are what are the things that we can do to alleviate? How can we do this better? Those are kind of the questions that you would want to frame it. Cool. All right. I what, pres- oh, go ahead. <laughs> what was that? I said what Craig said. <laughs> okay. So thank you guys Craig, for doing this. Craig, this was really Craig. cool. Um, so Jessica, if folks want to get in touch with you with follow-up questions, or I mean, you're our, you're our, our tooling expert. So if they have questions for you, what's the best way to reach you? Um, sure, you can reach me on Twitter at the Jessica Wolf. Uh, that's my Twitter handle, or you can email me directly at Jessica Wolf. That's W O L F E at leadingagile.com. All right, and Greg. Yeah, I'm uh, Greg King at leadingagile.com. Okay, uh, Marty. Uh, Barty Bradley, M-A-R-T-Y dot Bradley, L-E-Y, at leadingagile.com. Best way to get me. Okay. And before we go, Jessica, I want to give you an opportunity to 
create any noise you would like to make around the coming football season? Anything you want to shout into the microphone? Um, I'm going to do two shouts, right? So the first one is we will be hiring for tooling, so look for no, that. No, we're it's talking coming. about football. I know, but we're hiring. So I'm okay. growing my team, and that's wonderful. And if right. you happen to be an Eagles fan, that's even better. <laughs> um, so the Philadelphia Eagles did beat the Falcons last week. Uh, I just wanted to make sure everybody Rub knew that. that. And yeah. we still are the chance uh, from last year, just in case you forgot. Um, and I won't do the cheer because... It's got a lot of expletives in it. It could be a little annoying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you guys for doing Marty this. I appreciate Dean it. From Philly, but oh, I'm gonna say Marty. Dean. Marty, yeah, do you want us? Do you no. want to do the chant, Marty? No, I'm staying out of the whole Philly thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank you guys for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, and if you've got any questions, folks, please send them in. And thanks for listening.